Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our second installment of Zooming In on Christ College. It is wonderful to have you with us this evening. My name is Stephen Tan. I'm a student here in my second year Master of Divinity at Christ College. I'm joined here on the lounge by our illustrious principal, Ian Smith. Ian, it's great to have you with us this evening. Hi, Stephen. Uh, tonight we're talking about a topic that is very dear to my heart. Is God that concerned about my work? Is God that concerned about my work? Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that with you uh, this evening, Ian, and also with you, uh, our viewers. We are joined by not only people uh, all over New South Wales, but also I, uh, I'm led to believe people in Queensland, uh, Victoria, and last but not least, Tasmania. So <laughs> here's how the night is going to work. Ian and I, uh, we're going to do some Q&A, and then we'll open it up on the, uh, to the floor for some questions for, from you, the viewers. Uh, so please be punching in your questions on the chat bar there, uh, and then we'll get to those uh, in a little while. Does that sound good to you, Ian? I'm, I'm in your hands, Stephen. That's You're in fine. my hands? That's, yeah, this is great. It's this the only is, time we'll yeah, have it happen tomorrow. This is quite a power trip for me. Um, <laughs> got the principal at my mercy, so um, we're going to have a lot of fun here tonight, guys. Uh, it's really good to have you with us. How about, um, how about I open for us in prayer? That'd be great. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are our creator and our God. We thank you, Lord, that you made this world. You saw all that you had made and you saw that it was good. Uh, and you created us uh, and you saw all that you had made and saw that it was very good. Uh, Lord, we are sorry that it was because of our sin uh, that has infected the whole world, Lord, that the world is not as it should be. But we also thank you, Lord, that the world is not yet as it will be. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you that you have made a way for redemption uh, and renewal through Jesus Christ, your Son. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you help us now to focus. Uh, please give us energy and strength uh, to think about this important topic, uh, about how we can serve you through our work and what it means to be Jesus, to be Lord over all things, including our work. Uh, I pray that you bless this evening, and we just really thank you again, Lord, that, we, uh, that you are our Lord and our Saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Ian, so before we dive into the deep end on the topic of work, just to get you warmed up, uh, uh, the mission of Christ College is to glorify God by preparing leaders for God's church and its gospel-centered mission in the world, enabling God's people to live for Christ in all of life. To live for Christ in all of life. So just turning in there on the, that, that sort of motto, vision of, of Christ College, to live for Christ in all of life. Um, there's a bit of a story, a bit of a journey behind that, that, that mission statement. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, in today's generation, you've got to bring everything down to a three or a five word slogan. Well, so is. to bring that all down, uh, we kind of put on our uh, publicity material, Christ for all of life. And it really comes from a, a, an understanding of the resurrection, basically. Um, it's a journey, not just I've been on, but the whole, mm. the whole community has been on for quite a while. If Jesus rose from the dead, which we believe, and if Jesus rose from the dead physically, which we believe, mm. then his resurrection is not just the first fruit of the fact that I will go to heaven when I die in some sort of spiritual um, situation. That's important. We'll get to that probably a bit later. But Jesus is about the renewal of all things. And that's what he says in Matthew 19, 28. And so 
we need to get rid of the Sunday to Monday divide. Mm. Um, so actually, when we, when we came up with the slogan, there was a minister who actually came to see me and to tell me that this was a really bad slogan for the college because he said, if you want to be training up pastors for the Presbyterian Church, then I don't think you should be giving this sort of holistic understanding of where Christ College is at. Mm. I pushed back quite strongly to him because I, I said, well, if you're going to be training up pastors, what do you expect the pastor to do? And hopefully you expect the pastor to be preparing all of God's people through God's word for maturity and for acts of service in God's world. Mm. So it really comes from a, a fully orbed understanding of the doctrine of the resurrection that's not just about me, but one day God's going to raise the heavens and the earth, mm. all that he has made. And mm. so that's kind of all-encompassing. Mm. So, And it's Christ who's going to do that. So it's Christ for all of life. Mm. It's kind of punchy, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah that's it's great. Yeah. Uh, can I just add there, I think um, in um, back in uh, 2014, when I came to the Christ College Open Night, it was here mm-hmm. in the building. Good. Um, no, there was no uh, physical distancing, but I... Um, I I remember you started your address, which was on this very topic, Christ for all of life. And you talked about, um, I think you opened with a quote from Tom Nelson's book, Work Matters, uh, which uh, he confesses to pastoral malpractice. Absolutely. That he had spent most of his time not equipping his church for what they're doing with most of their time. Um, and that really connected with me at the time uh, as a, someone who was a commercial lawyer working in a, in a, in a really busy a commercial law firm um, and I felt like I was I was a bit undervalued and I didn't really know what to do uh, with the long hours I was doing I, I felt like I wasn't serving God and so when you said that actually the church needs to be equipping you mm. to do your to do to be serving in your workplace to be serving God in through your work uh, that was just a breath of fresh air to me oh, and that's um, good to hear. yeah it, it, that that is one of the main reasons why I came why I chose to come to chose to come come across college. So um, yeah. thank you for that. Great. That's good. Well, if I can just chip in there. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, often, it's often indicative in a church when you listen to the prayers of what the church values. I mean, I do lots of visiting preaching all over the place, so I just preach and um, others are leading the service. And as I go around to different churches, I hear that we pray a lot for Sunday school teachers, we pray a lot for elders, we pray a lot for the next event that's happening, we pray a lot for the minister, the, all, all stuff that's really important. But if, if the work of school teachers is important, if, if our government's important, if political situations in the world is important, if, you know, if social justice is important, um, we'll be praying for it. And we'll actually be praying that God will be involved in that. So mm. it's kind of, I think, it's a good litmus test of whether we as a church really do value the work mm. that people are doing and that Sunday to Monday divide and trying to bridge it. Yeah. yeah, and that's really that's just great. straight out of Jeremiah 29, isn't it? Absolutely. To seek the peace and prosperity of the city for it and pray to it, pray for it on the Lord, to the Lord on its behalf, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And the amazing thing there in Jeremiah 29 is he's talking about Babylon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah. it's, I mean, we are, I mean, I, whatever you think of the current government or yeah. whatever you think of whatever government, it's probably a bit better than Babylon. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but it's you yeah. pray for the welfare of the city. And, yes. uh, yeah. and for God, because this is still God's world. The devil hasn't won. Mm. And what we do in God's world matters. Mm, yeah. That's great. That's actually a, a good um, segue into my next question. So last year you... Uh, published a book called Not Home Yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a nutshell, for those of us who haven't read it, I've, I've got my copy here. 
Um, I think I was one of the first ones to buy one. Still not autographed, Ian. Uh, we'll do it um, again. That's okay. okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, so in a nutshell, for those of us who haven't read Not Home yet, what, what is this book about? Sure. Um, so at Crossway Publishers, actually. I mean, so we won't get into trouble in case uh, they hear this. <laughs> uh, in a nutshell, um, if you, if you, there's a lot of academic books out there that talk about the Christian hope. But at a popular level, when I go around and talk to people about the Christian hope and I hear what's being said, a lot of what I hear about the Christian hope is about heaven when I die. And I don't think, in fact I'm quite convinced, that that is not the, that that is not the ultimate hope for the Christian. When you get to the end of the Bible, mm-hmm. it talks about new heavens and new earth, which is kind of a bookend. I mean, when the Bible begins, God created the heavens and the earth. When the Bible ends, there's a new heavens and new earth. And, and that which has fallen is, is that which is going to be redeemed and restored. Mm-hmm. And where you're focusing on dictates the way you live. And where your hope is dictates the way you live. Now, I've, um, you know, I've had lots of conversations on this, but I couldn't find a popular book that is accessible that anybody could read. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a very hard book to write. I found it quite a challenge because I needed to get beyond the... There, there's some detailed theological things and exegetical things mm-hmm. that need to be dealt with. And yet I was committed to, to, to get beyond complexity to simplicity mm-hmm. and to have something that actually explains that Christian hope that what we do now makes sense. And it, it includes work, but it includes family, it includes relationships, it includes marriage, it includes the people we are that God has made us to be Mm. and it's called Not Home Yet and it actually identifies where home is. Mm. Can I give you a longer answer? (laughs) (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that'll, I think that'll do. That'll do, that'll do, okay, I'll speak it in later, okay. Wet people's appetites, if you want to read the book, you can can still get it. Um, All right, let's, let's get into the nitty gritty now. Okay. Let me set the scene for our topic tonight, is God that concerned about my work? Yep. Uh, so just let me really lay out the context here. First is that many of us who are studying here at Christ College, and I'm sure many of our viewers are probably familiar with the culture of uh, evangelicalism in, in Australia, and particularly Sydney evangelicals, uh, perhaps coming through university campus ministry like myself, uh, where the mantra was, was tell people about Jesus, it's all about the gospel, it's all about evangelism, get people saved, read the Bible one-to-one so that people will be saved. Um, uh, second, there's now talk about the minister's drought, uh, that there are not enough students studying at Bible colleges purely on the math to replace the outgoing generation of pastors who will retire in the next few years or so. So that's our context. Yep. Despite all this, Ian, perhaps controversially, are you saying that work itself is just as important as proclaiming the gospel? This is going to be a longer answer. <laughs> That's fine. Take all the time you need. This. I will. It depends how you want. There's a couple of important words in there. Um, Gospel is an important word, and important is an important word. So let me go back to your, your two, two-phase scenario. Um, campus ministry was the same with me. Are you going to spend your life in something that matters, or are you going to basically just be somebody who supports somebody? in a life that matters. And they were kind of the two, yeah, the two alternatives, two alternatives yeah. that were given to me, which is pretty demeaning in some ways. Mm. And um, you know, many years later, uh, I just wish that there were 
more Christian professionals out there with a good Christian worldview mm-hmm. actually impacting stuff that's happening uh, beyond the church. And, and the whole idea was getting people saved. And here's my question, saved for what? And I know you're talking about eternal life, and I know that's important. But if we are saved, or if we use another word, if we are redeemed, does that actually make a difference to the way we work? Mm. Does it make a difference to the way we relate, to mm. the way we... Um, so that's the first thing. Yeah. And as far as the minister drought is concerned, absolutely, we need more gospel workers. Let me make that very clear. And if you're, if you're someone who is thinking of being a gospel worker, and I'll define that in a second, mm. uh, you should think about that very seriously. But it's not the only drought we've got. Uh, we have a drought, uh, certainly in the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, there's a minister drought, but I think there's a bigger drought, which is a congregation drought. Uh, how many viable congregations do we have? Mm. And in fact, it doesn't end there. In our schools, uh, when I went through uh, my primary school and high schools, and I was a high school teacher, there were always Christian teachers in high schools. Mm. There's a drought out there of professing Christians in schools never alone in business and in other areas there might and there's also christians there but how informed are they of a christian worldview about their work and understanding what they're doing they're serving for god so there's lots of different sorts of drought in there Mm. let me define the gospel the gospel the greek word for gospel euangelion is an announcement it is it is good news and so People who are gospel workers are people who are announcing that good news. Now, at one level, that's all of us. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15, we're all meant to give a defence of the hope we have within us. And so we're all gospel workers, hopefully, at one level. But we do need people who are more full-time in terms of gospel ministry. I don't talk about gospel ministry as being more important... I talk about it as being foundational because the way that God is going to redeem this world is not through our own efforts, but it's through the work of the Lord Jesus. And that needs to be proclaimed. But once that is proclaimed and once it is understood and once people are saved and their eternal life is secure, they also need to live every day in a way that serves the king with kingdom values with understanding God's commitment to so many things that they're doing in their world so um, so if a minister goes into a church and he thinks that he's doing the most important work in that church well you know I think that's really unhelpful language Mm. if we're saying that the gospel which is a pronouncement that's not about us but it's about Jesus because he will do it he is the one who will who has and will redeem this world, that's foundational to all that we do. Mm. And so we end up equipping people for the important works that people do because God has called them to live those sort of lives. Yeah. So I'm hearing it's, it's about redemption, it's about renewal, it's also about the lordship of Christ. Is that, yeah, absolutely. Is that yeah, because yep. yeah, if, if we... Uh, the Great Commission, which is actually um, usually it's rolled out to say we should go and make disciples, evangelize, mm-hmm. uh, proclaim the gospel. But then people often leave off, sort of don't really get into the second part of that, of the Great Commission, which is go there for make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded them. Absolutely. And the, the beginning of the Great Commission is that Jesus says, all authority on earth 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me, yep. and I am Lord. And so I think some will have heard that 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 quote uh, from Abraham Kuyper, which is that there is no inch, no square inch in the whole of creation of which Jesus does not say, "Mine." Yep, exactly. And so redemption demands things of us. So if you think of the Ten Commandments. God redeemed his people out of Egypt. Mm. And, and I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. This is how the Ten Commandments lived. And now I've redeemed you. This is how you should live. And you should, you should uh, take a day off every week. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't mm. covet. You should look after your sexual ethics. You should tell the truth. Yeah. You should not be idolatrous. And, and then Jesus was asked to summarise all of that. And he summarised it down in terms of love God and love your neighbour. Mm. And, and basically... We need to proclaim the gospel that people might be saved, that we might be salt and light in a dark world. And Mm. and a really big way that we do that is through our work. Yeah, yeah, Mm. that's great. Yeah, that's really good. Um, So I guess uh, talk to us about, um, uh, in terms of the value of work, talk to us about uh, overvaluing work, Mm. undervaluing work, overwork, mm. uh, perhaps uh, overwork in particular is a problem in our society. Talk to us about that. Absolutely. So here's, here's an amazing thing about work. God works. Mm. Now, in the ancient Near East, or maybe in terms of Greek gods that we might know a little bit more about, gods never worked. Gods just lounged around and did whatever they did on Mount mm. Olympus. Work was beneath them. <laughs> But the Bible begins with the fact that God works. And here's an amazing fact. God makes us in his image. So we are made for work. And I really hope, well, I'm quite confident, that when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, there'll still be work. Mm. Um, it, it's part of God's character. God works and God rests. Mm. So if we, if we underwork... Um, the King James Version in Proverbs talks about the sluggard. I love that word. It's a, if we're a sluggard and we are lazy, uh, we are not living up to the potential that God has called us to do. He's, he's put us in this world to have dominion over it, to bless it. Um, and so underwork is a problem. But overwork, and there is a real problem in 21st century society where we identify ourselves and our value in society by our work. And so we, we idolise work. And we all know, I mean, Australians are among... We, 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 we're very... Um, uh, we, we put ourselves down all the time. We think Australians are pretty lazy. Uh, the reality is Australians are a pack of workaholics and it's getting worse. And um, people, you know talk about millennials Um, I go to a church that's full of millennials and let me tell you they work harder than I ever did I mean we're just working harder and harder and harder and um, making an idol is one of the problems in that tank of money yeah that's good yeah I reminded you just reminded me that um, uh, Tim Keller says that if you if we undervalue if you undervalue your work uh, you'll be bored but if you overvalue your work you'll be crushed Uh, and and definitely I think um, Certain industries. Uh, I mean, I've well, kind of what you were <laughs> boy. <laughs> so yeah, I was. I've, I've kind of swung both way in, in terms of uh, sort of started out in the private sector, and where I think the tendency is clearly to overwork. Yep. Uh, and then I switched over to government, and I learned that the, the tendency perhaps is to underwork. So yep. 
Um, either way, there's idols there. There's, there's, there's besetting sins uh, in certain industries and in, um, in society. So, yep. um, actually, that, that, that sort of leads to my next question. So, you talked about being created in the image of God to work. Mm-hmm. So, could you give us a, a, a biblical theology of work that would sort of look at creation, fall, uh, redemption and restoration and you've sort of already touched on creation but sure biblical theology of okay I'll try and go through creation for redemption, redemption restoration, restoration. Yeah. okay there we go yeah <laughs> okay here's a mind-blowing fact and you know it's true the bible begins at genesis 1 not at genesis 3 hmm. and if you recognize that the bible begins at genesis 1 and sorry this is cliche and corny but it's also true, if you recognise the Bible begins at Genesis 1, it makes a world of difference. Um, we, we need to know that from which we have fallen before we actually understand what salvation is. Mm-hmm. And so creation is, is the very centre. And, and it's quite simple. God makes this world for his pleasure and chooses us to have dominion over it. And so... We're not, to be a little bit provocative, I'm all about the gospel, please don't hear me wrong, Mm. but we were not created initially in the first Adam to preach the gospel. That happens in Genesis 3, and that's very important. We were created to have dominion. But fall, I'm trying to do this quickly, I can put the whole Bible in a quick answer. (laughs) That's what we pay you for, Ian. Absolutely. (laughs) So sin has permeated God's world. So um, is all work valid? No. Uh, there are some work you shouldn't do. I, I think very few people pray that their children will grow up to be drug dealers and prostitutes. I mean, they're, they're bank robbers. Um, and even within valid careers, in fact, I'd want to say within every valid career, there is work we shouldn't do. Mm. And not only so, but there's the, the fall has permeated the whole of creation. So within creation, there is still the initial goodness, but then it is marred by the fall. And in the fall comes curses, curses like sickness and death and chaos and lots of others. Um, And so what is God about doing? Well, through the final Adam, whose name is Jesus, Jesus comes, I'm at redemption, and he, he takes on the curse of the fall. He does that on the cross. And he rises again in the resurrection... And by the way, the resurrection of Jesus, he rose to the earth and appeared for 40 days before he ascended. Jesus is raised from the tomb as the first fruit of renewal. And so if you work in medicine and if you're a nurse, if, if you're involved in healing, that's part of God's agenda. Because God, as part of redemption, is concerned yeah. for healing. If you're a lawyer, um, then uh, hopefully you're yeah. into justice. Yes, um, yes. If you're an accountant even, uh, then you're into order. Mm. If, if you're into beauty and creativity, yeah. that's very close to God's heart. Yeah. But it's and the stewardship and, and managing resources as it well. Is, yes, it yes. is. But it's not... But, be, but let me be careful there. Mm. I'm not talking about the fact that we, through our work redeem God's world. No, Jesus does it. And it's about sin. It's about salvation. It's everything you heard at campus ministry is true. Mm. Okay, That's where it's at. But the problem is that sometimes it's reductionistic. 
And it's, it's not as big as what God's agenda is. So there's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, and then there's restoration. And yet that's, that's the word I normally use too, but it's not a great word. I wish there was a better word in English because restoration sounds like we go back to how it was before the fall, but yeah. we don't. But God is going to restore it back to how it was in a world without the effects of sin. Like version 2.0, I guess. 2.0. <laughs> but there's still going to be development. And, yeah. and when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, he's not going to say, and, and get rid of all that good stuff you did. I mean, mm. we take stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the, the kings of the nations bring their glory into the, into the New Zion. Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, um, and so there's both development. I love the fact that the Bible ends with a garden in a city. Because a garden is watered by God, but a city is very much a place of human development. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like we love our children to be creative, God enjoys our creativity. So the Bible begins in Genesis 1. It's marred by sin. Jesus is redeeming everything. And in the gospel, and there's restoration. There you go, there's the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, I think, uh, so I like how you're saying, please don't hear me. Uh, saying the gospel is not important. I think oh. actually it's it, there's dualism everywhere. So there's uh, we we'll probably have to explain that term a bit. But yep. the 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 gospel is is just as, as much about proclamation as it is about presence. That, that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, but he also came embodying mm-hmm. the gospel in everything he did. So it's really a false dichotomy to say that. Um, and the gospel was is it true absolutely but the question of our generation is they don't care so much about whether it's true or not but does it work and and whether or not people who profess to believe the truth are even living that truth yep and and we have a really unique thing to offer there I don't know if you've noticed I'm sure you have noticed but (laughs) um, our society is full of three word slogans and they are redemption stories so um, at the moment, the three-word slogan is Black Lives Matter. And, you know, um, and, and a little while ago, the three-word slogan was Love is Love. Mm. But it's basically the redemption that we're seeing in our society is the redemption of an oppressed group mm. being able to speak and find redemption through some sort of activism. And, and, and that just sort of moves. So our, our society is hungry for redemption. The beauty of the Christian message is that, of course, we're concerned for you know, racism and all those sorts of things, but we're concerned for that because we understand as who we are, a people of dignity made in the image of God, yeah. and we understand because the Bible starts at Genesis 1 and goes through the fall that this is an issue of the fall, and the answer is not in our activism. The answer is in the gospel, and the answer is in what Jesus has done. And so when we come to the end of the Bible, um, we see this great... Uh, revelation, this great apocalypse, this great coming in mm. of what God is going to do to wrap the whole show up because ultimately it's his world mm. and, and so we continue to live and proclaim the gospel uh, in how we live and how we work and how mm. we relate and so it's yeah. very holistic. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's great holistic, yep, yeah, that's Christ for all of life. That's um, it, that's the <laughs> um, Perhaps just um, Backtracking a little bit, just for the benefit of those who might not have heard the term before, we talked about dualism. Yep. Uh, in your book, 
not home yet. You talked about two right. kingdoms theology. Can you yep. explain that a little bit for those who, those who might not have heard about it at all? Yeah. Um, oh, you've, touched on it. you've touched on it already. Uh, I'll, do okay. it yep. Yep. I'll do it briefly. I'll do it briefly. So I mean, let me go back to Augustine, about the 4th century AD. And, and the Roman Empire, or at least the Western Roman Empire, um, collapses. And, and this is a Christian empire. How can the kingdom of God, which is sort of a political kingdom... Crush. And so he writes his book, The City of God, and it's really between the city of God and the city of man. And so it's basically between the sacred and the secular. Yeah. I mean, Martin Luther goes into it a bit as well in terms of God's right hand and God's left hand. And I can't remember which hand's which, but one secular and one sacred. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we have a very strong two-kingdom theology, I think, in most of our churches. Mm. We, we think that the stuff that really matters happens on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Um, and that, that stuff does matter. But when Jesus comes and pronounces the kingdom, it's not a dual kingdom. It's one kingdom. Mm. So I'm very much a one kingdom man, although if I want to be specific, I am a two kingdom man. But let me go there. And they're not those sort of two kingdoms of sacred and secular. But when Jesus comes into the world, there's the kingdom of Beelzebub. There's a kingdom of Satan. And that's the second kingdom. And the kingdom of God is advancing. It's advancing through the miracles of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, through the ethics of Jesus, and through the proclamation of the gospel. And when you get to the end of the Bible, uh, there's, there's two, those two kingdoms are there in terms of Babylon and the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And, and this is very true in our work. In, in Revelation 18, we're told to flee from Babylon. And in Revelation 21, we're to enter the New Jerusalem. And I think that's a daily battle in our work. I mean, if there are two kingdoms, it's not sacred-secular. It's the kingdom of Satan, which will be destroyed and thrown into the abyss. And there is the kingdom of God that will endure. Mm. And so that's the way I prefer to talk about two kingdoms rather than sacred and secular. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Um, All right, I'll ask you a couple of practical questions, then I think we'll start taking some questions from viewers. Um, I could ask you lots more questions. I'm sure we could talk about this all night, but um, we have to have to let other people uh, take the floor. But I'll just ask you a couple of questions, practically speaking. So, all right, um, we hear that there is a bit of a there's a bit of an issue in our churches. Um, two kingdoms theology and people who are doing gospel work more important. People who don't do gospel work, you're supporting the people, and there's an issue there. So, what would you like to see uh, happening, perhaps, in our churches? Uh, if you had you know, blank slate, what would you like to see in our churches? And then how does that fit with what Christ College is doing to equip pastoral leaders uh, in those churches? The gospel is foundational. It happens through the gospel. We need more gospel workers. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But gospel workers can be more broadly defined. So I had a conversation just recently um, in Tasmania. Hello to the Tasmanians. (laughs) Uh, with a university student who was asking me whether she, she, she's studying medicine, she wants to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. Mm. And she said, can I do that as a Christian? Because there's no way that I can get there without actually doing terminations on the way through. Is that an option for Mm. me? Now, I sat down and chatted with her, and we need more gospel workers who can have that conversation. But here's the problem. I'm at a loss. 
I'm not a medical doctor. I don't really know half the issues. I'd love to see more medical doctors taking on not just the study of medicine, but the study of theology, yes. and more lawyers, and more teachers, and to have, uh, and more architects, and more um, high cases. <laughs> okay, <see> <laughs> um, so, and more nurses, and I'm just thinking who's out there. Um, so that with a Christian worldview, that can be a more informed discussion. Because I don't need to tell you that the, the world is becoming more and more secular. Mm. And we need to be in Babylon. We need to be blessing Babylon. God has not given up on this world, and nor should we. It's his world, and he has given us dominion over it, and it would be disobedient of us if we gave up on this world. Mm. And so we need to have people equipped. So we need people in pulpits, and there is a minister drought. Mm. But we need people who can minister to women and to children in churches. But boy, do we need people in the workplace mm. who are well-informed and who can be leaders and who can maybe do some blog spots and to help to inform that certain section of the workforce. Absolutely. And really, it's, again, it's that it's, it's, there's been such a dichotomy and such a kind of separation when really we need experts in, in theology, in the Bible, who know how to interpret the Bible. We need good exegesis. We need Absolutely. people who know how to read the Bible. To, to have a conversation with people who are experts in their field. Yep. And we need more mixing and actually rather... We need them all to have a conversation because, like you said, in that, there's ethical dilemmas all over the place. There's so many things that, um, just speaking as a lawyer, that there's so many things that are legal yep. uh, that I can do, but are they good for society? Are, are well, they biblical? The, are they... The, the death camps in Nazi Germany were legal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. um, I mean, there's so much that's legal that's not moral. Yes, yeah. And, and so if you're a pastor, in every sense of it, maybe you're an elder of a church out there tonight or maybe you're one of the reverend varieties, um, here's a big part of your job. Go to the people in your congregation and have a cup of coffee with them and have the conversation of how do you integrate the Christian faith with where you are in the workforce. And, and that might be, you know, a volunteer, it might be a paid worker, um, but it's... It's not easy, and it's, the answer's different. The answer's in every situation. The answer's always about creation for redemption and restoration. It's always applying the biblical scenario, but it looks different for the lawyer to the obstetrician to the cleaner to the whatever. And cleaners, cleaners, very... Are we not more grateful than cleaners than we've ever been? Well, I'm sorry to say this, Stephen, <laughs> but... Who tells their kids to become cleaners when they grow up? Absolutely, and Stephen, <laughs> in COVID, cleaners are essential workers, whereas lawyers are not. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not actually a practicing lawyer anymore, but um, yeah, that's cool, that's fine. Um, all right, we should probably start getting to some questions from the viewers, because otherwise I'll keep you here all night. Um, are you ready? Do you need a, do you want a glass of water or anything? All right, so okay. let's, <laughs> I'll give you a moment. Um, okay. All right, so, yeah, please continue to uh, send in your questions. We'll try to get through as many of them as we can, as many of them as we can. All right, the first question. The Australian view of retirement looks like an extended holiday. Ah. So how does a biblical theology of work inform our decisions around retirement? Absolutely. So uh, if you haven't heard John Piper's talk on um, seashells, <laughs> uh, you, you've got yes. to look at it. I mean, God has ordained my days and God has created me for work. So obviously as we get older, our energy levels go down. But the fortunate thing about getting older is we get wiser and we're actually able to manage that. Um, a big problem in our understanding of work is we think about work as being paid work. And 
certainly in my youth, volunteerism was very alive and well. Um, and I think we've got to sort of recapture that. So retirees have got such a wonderful opportunity mm. to minister. Yeah. Um, we go to a church, hello to everyone from church, <laughs> where pretty well, every, with a few exceptions, everybody at our church is actually younger than our children. And um, it's been a wonderful blessing. It, it's <laughs> magnificent. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, so um, Millennials. Yeah, and, and, and David Burke, who worked here until last year, when we farewelled him last year, he nice. insisted that we have a non-retirement party yeah, because that. he yeah. said Christians don't retire. Uh, Christians kind of retire even at their funerals. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I really, I think that's really important to make the distinction between um, paid work, unpaid work. It's, it's more about work. In its, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and you may not be able to achieve as much in a day, but you're retired. You've got a wisdom to, to do with yeah. that. That's yeah. okay. Okay. That's great. Uh, all right. So next question. Uh, you said that we don't redeem through our work, that Jesus redeems. But can Jesus redeem through our work in co-creating with him? Can Jesus redeem through our work through co-creating with him? I don't think so. I think oh, maybe I've misunderstood Renewing, the question. Yeah, maybe not in the sense of salvation, perhaps in the sense of our work is redemption work. So yeah. perhaps is it doctors healing mm. and okay. lawyers right. fixing a okay. situation? That makes good I don't sense. Know if that's, yeah, yeah. If, if that's where it's at, that's right. Here's the amazing thing. I used to go to a Christian dentist. Okay, until he sold his practice and went into the ministry. It's a real <laughs> anyhow, but it's great. Um, and his practice was bought by a non-Christian, and I still go to that dentist. Mm. And the quality of dental care under both dentists is awesome. It's great. So I don't know if a Christian does dentistry in a redemptive way any better than a non-Christian. But we as Christians believe in common grace mm, yeah. and we believe that God is working. And here's the difference. My non-Christian dentist doesn't recognise the fact that what he is doing is anticipating the new heavens and the new earth when there'll be no more decay <laughs> and where there'll be no more disease. But my Christian dentist does recognise that mm. and that should make a world of difference. Is he going to bring about the new creation through root canal therapy? Of course not. <laughs> but is that a reflection of how it will be? So if you're working in the arts and creativity, it's a reflection of what it will be like. And if you're working in medicine and in law and cleaning and all those places, um, the work belongs to the Lord. It is an outworking of the resurrection. It is an outworking of the cross and resurrection where the curse is paid for and the first day um, of the new creation is the day of resurrection and the gift of the Spirit that enables us to do many different sorts of things. I mean, the Old Testament, Bezalel and the tabernacle and, you know, God enables us. The gifts that we have are, are God-given gifts, mm. and uh, but it's still God's work. So I'd, I'd be a little bit cautious to talk about co-creativity, yeah, yeah. co-redemptivity, but we recognise we recognise what God is doing, even though the non-Christian dentist doesn't recognise it. Yeah. But God's still doing it. Yeah, that's good. All right. Um, next question. Uh, 
What advice would you give to a young university graduate who feels an urgent need to preach the gospel on the one hand, uh, and on the other hand, getting a secular job as opposed to training for the ministry would be a, a waste of the time that God has entrusted to them? Um, I've, you go first, and then I might yeah. have some things to add. To oh, look, I've That's lived long question. enough to know that yeah. you don't give advice to young university <laughs> graduates. So, but if the young university graduate was prepared to hear the advice, and this is a conversation I have all the time, so there could be lots of questions within there. Is the person ready for it? Um, giftings. Giftings, etc. This is the language that I use. It's not popular around Sydney, but I think it's popular in the Bible, so I use it. <laughs> okay? And it goes like this. Uh, that It's all about call. I actually think God is not divorced from our lives. Ephesians 2 verse 10, he has prepared good works for us to walk in them. And here's another word that we don't use very much. It's the word vocation. And mm. I, think, I think being a gospel worker, being a pastor is a vocation. But I actually think being a lawyer is a vocation. Mm. Uh, and I think um, even <laughs> a retirement, sorry, this is corny, is a vocation, not a vacation. But anyhow, that's <laughs> uh, going back to there. How do I work out calling? I work out inward and outward call. Inward call is that God has put a desire in my heart. And the desire is not necessarily what I want to do. It's deeper than that. It's in the quietness of my heart, what do I think that God requires of me? What are the good works that I should walk in? Is it gospel ministry? Is it other sorts of ministry? Is it looking after my elderly parents? Is it staying at home and looking after my children? There's, there's a whole lot of inward calls in all yeah. of that. Yeah. And then there's outward call. And outward call is the people who have the cred and the authority to speak into my life. Yeah. And when inward call and outward call start to correspond with each other, then I need to ask myself the question, I don't ask myself the question, should I do this? I ask myself the question, why shouldn't I do this? Mm. And there are valid answers to that. I mean, you may be called to gospel ministry to go back to the question but your wife may not be with you that's a good reason not to do it okay and there's lots of there's lots of but ask yourself why shouldn't i be doing it so i'd be sitting down with the university graduate who is a rare university graduate seeking advice now it's not a rare graduate. It's, it's actually <laughs> yeah. somebody it's somebody yeah, i meet yeah. these people yeah. all the time yeah and i'd be saying in your heart of hearts in your gifting, in your skills, God has created you to have dominion over the world. That's what he's given you to do. He's given you... I mean, everybody's after dignity in this world. Here's the highest dignity you can have. Mm. You are made in the image of God. Yep. You are made in the image of the one who is greater than all others. Yep. So there is great dignity in doing that which brings joy to God. Yep. And God has called you to work. Yep. So there's nothing seven, second rate yep. about being yes. in the workforce. Yes. And is that, do you think, what God is calling you to do? If you think that is what God is calling you to do, then talk to others yeah. and see where it's at. But if it's... And the other thing that happens is that um, just because I'm here today doesn't mean I'll be somewhere else in 10 years' time. Yeah. Life can be a little bit more fluid than that. And so there are seasons in life. Yeah. And, and so it's really looking at the call of God upon our life. So... Um, yeah, I think we've got to recapture some of the... There, are, there is problems with the whole idea of call. I mean, 
it's very subjective and sometimes people think if I'm called, well, that's a, a license to do anything. I don't think that that's what calling is. But God is actively concerned with us yeah. as individuals to his glory. So I'd have that conversation. Yeah, that's, can, can I add to that and say, um, uh, I mean, yeah, if, if, if this young university graduate was here, we could have a conversation and we'd get to know a little bit more about your particular uh, situation and giftings and talents. But just speaking from my own experience, so just allow me to indulge a little bit, um, says that the question was, would it be a waste of time for me to stay in my secular job? Hmm. And I think the, the, the answer is it's, God never wastes anything. Um, he created it all. So wherever you are right now is exactly where he wants you. Um, so I, um, uh, in my first year out, uh, after um, finishing uni, I was uh, I'd done a summer clerkship and done the whole um, whole graduate program, and I was really struggling my first year of work. And so working till midnight every night, struggling to make Bible studies. My weekends weren't sacred anymore. And I was I said to my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, a very wise woman, I said, I think I want to quit because I think God is calling me into the full time ministry. And she just looked at me and said, That is the worst attitude I have ever seen. Because. Exactly. Um, and she says, I would not want you to be my pastor in the current, in, in your kind of, the, the kind of state that you are, that you've worked got a bit hard. It was only six months in and uh, you want to quit. Yeah. Um, so uh, I stuck it out. Um, uh, I, I, and I, God used that time. So I, I worked for about eight years as a lawyer and uh, I can see now, and I'm still seeing how God used every single thing uh, in my workplace to keep training me, equipping yeah. me, Preparing my heart and my character, um, yep. obviously still a work in progress, but the skills that I, I gained will be invaluable for full-time gospel work. Absolutely. And, and, um, and, and God doesn't need you. Sorry. No, no, that's God really that's, doesn't need you. Exactly. God delights to use yeah. you, but... And God calls us to be many things. He calls us to be faithful in our marriages and yeah. you know, in our families and in our work yeah. that he's given us to do. Um, but he doesn't need us to save the world. Someone's already done that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we need to recognise that. Yeah. Um, and, and just yeah. as an encouragement to that, that university graduate, um, the, it's stay in that place where you are. That, that sense of urgency is fantastic. That is yeah. what we want in all our churches, that people feel the sense of urgency to proclaim the gospel and to love others in the name of Christ. And that's exactly where I think God wants you right now. Yep. Um, and let that fuel you in terms of, we say, preaching the gospel. Uh, you have access, if you're in the secular workforce, to people that pastors just will never meet. Absolutely. Um, and that is fantastic. We need you where you are right now. But if you are, if you still feel that need, that, oh, come that and calling and doesn't go away, come and have a chat. Come and have a chat. And we want to see, and, and we want to talk through inward and external call. It's interesting, even at church, I mean, if, the pa- if you go to a joint in your church and the pastor asks you home for lunch, the stats are there's a 60% chance that that person will go back to church the next week if you've had a lunch invitation from the pastor. Hmm. If someone who's not the pastor invites you home for lunch, there's a 90% yeah. probability you'll go back. Because we all know why the pastor basically <laughs> asks us for lunch, don't we? But these other persons, they've got nothing to gain out of yeah. it. So there are so many things that pastors can't do yeah. And, and we're not just here to create pastors, to create pastors, to create pastors. Yeah. But we're here to bless the church that through the church 
the world might be blessed. Yep. So it kind of goes from the pulpit to the pews in the world. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Ian. I think um, that's going to, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, sorry if we didn't get to your questions. Um, perhaps if uh, you have more questions and your questions weren't answered, come in and have a chat. Um, We'd love to see you. Uh, so just before we close, a um, little bit of information. Uh, everything's on our website. But if you're thinking about studying here at Christ College, whether uh, part-time or full-time or even just cherry-picking a subject, some of you might not know that we offer all our first-year subjects on a Tuesday evening uh, on a rotating basis. And so uh, we also offer many subjects on an intensive mode throughout the year. Uh, I actually studied part-time for several years before moving into full-time study. And I pretty much completed all the, uh, the first-year requirements of a Master of Divinity while working and studying part-time. Uh, so there's more information on our website or um, uh, always welcome to come in and have a chat. We are open for, for business. We are COVID safe. We have been back on campus since July. Uh, and so uh, we'd love you to come in and have a chat. Uh, chat to Ian. Um, I'd be happy to have a chat if anyone wants to talk to me. Um, if you're not thinking about, um, if you're thinking about studying, come in and have a chat. If you're not thinking about studying, please also come in and have a chat. <laughs> um, Thanks very much, Ian, for your time. That was, as Thanks, always, yeah. I feel like we just scratched the surface and there's so many yeah. things we could talk about. Um, but it's just, it is really encouraging that there's a college uh, that is thinking and talking about these things uh, right. to better equip God's people and God's leaders for God's church. Um, uh, Ian, how about you close for us? I'd love to. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, so great. And uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Let's, let's close thanks, our time in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, what a privilege it is that you created us, male and female, in your image to care for your world, our home. And Father, we thank you that when sin invaded your world, that you didn't give up on it. But we thank you, Father, that that which is fallen and that which is cursed is that which will be redeemed and restored and that what we do here matters. Mm. Our Father, we pray that the works that we invest in here would not be wood, hay and stubble that will be burnt up, but will be gold and silver and precious stones. Mm. We pray, Father, that we will be involved in things that will last into that which you will restore, the new heavens and the new earth, Thank you, Father, that you haven't given up on us. And not only haven't you given up on us, but that you've chosen to use us. And so, Father, we pray for everyone present here tonight that you would help us, some of us are young and some of us are older, to listen to your claim upon our life. And we pray that you would give to us meaningful work to your glory. And we pray that that would be fueled by the gospel that focuses on the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus alone. And we do pray, Father, that you would raise up more gospel workers, that they would be able to equip others, that your world would be blessed. Help us, Father, we pray, to live in the light of that which will be. And we thank you for the sure hope that that is in the light of the Lord Jesus, who is raised from the dead. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great. Thanks, Great. Stephen. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, everyone. See you guys.